Would you pray with me? Father God, we come before you now and we do acknowledge that we come before you with open hearts. And we desire you to speak to us through your words, Lord. So speak now, for we are listening. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, if you're visiting with us today, um, as you heard earlier, we have started a summer sermon series on biblical worship as we walk through the Old Testament book of Malachi, the final book of the Old Testament, right before the Gospel of Matthew. And so I would encourage you to turn in your Bibles uh, to the book of Malachi. And last week we saw that the people of God in that day were not giving God what He deserved. They weren't giving Him what was due Him. You see, God had asked for the first and the best to be sacrificially given to Him as an act of worship, as an act of of obedience, of faithfulness. Yet the people of God were giving God the crippled and the diseased and the lame. They were keeping the best for themselves and they were giving God the leftovers. And we saw that, that it was so important that they obeyed God in this command, not just simply to show obedience to God, although that is very important, but also because the sacrifice represented God's provision for the sins of the people and ultimately pointed to the cross, ultimately pointed to Jesus Christ, the only one that was without blemish, that was spotless, that was without sin. And we saw that God only accepts the very best in worship from his people. And it's easy for us to look back today and to look at a passage such as what we looked at last week, Malachi chapter 1, verses 6 through 14, and point the finger at those people for their blatant disregard for God's requirement. God had clearly laid out in Scripture, in the Old Testament, in the law of God, what He expected, what He required, yet the people of God disobeyed it. And so we ask, how in the world did their worship deteriorate to that? How in the world did they think they were being obedient, that they were serving God, that they were faithfully worshiping God, and yet simply giving God what they did not want for themselves or could make no profit on themselves? And we see the answer to that question, at least in part, in today's passage. Malachi chapter 2, verses 1 through 9. We see how these people's worship deteriorated to routine, disobedient, unfaithful worship of God. And the people of God were still responsible for their own obedience or lack of obedience. But we see in today's passage that there was one group of people that was held to a higher standard, that was even more responsible, and that was the priest, the religious leaders in that day. And because the the priests, the religious leaders, had failed to rightly teach and instruct the people on the Word of God, on what it meant to properly worship God, the people's worship, went downhill from there. And this morning we will see that biblical worship includes the faithful ministry of the Word of God for the glory of God. 
Biblical worship includes the faithful ministry of the Word of God for the glory of God. Look with me now at Malachi chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. And now this admonition is for you, O priests. If you do not listen and if you do not set your heart to honor my name, says the Lord Almighty, I will send a curse upon you and I will curse your blessings. Yes, I have already cursed them because you have not set your heart to honor me. Because of you, I will rebuke your descendants. I will spread on your faces the awful from your festival sacrifices, and you will be carried off with it. And you will know that I have sent you this admonition so that my covenant with Levi may continue, says the Lord Almighty. Verse 5, my covenant was with him, a covenant of life and peace, and I gave them to him. This called for reverence, and he revered me and stood in awe of my name. True instruction was in his mouth, and nothing false was found on his lips. He walked with me in peace and uprightness and turned many from sin. For the lips of a priest ought to preserve knowledge, and from his mouth men should seek instruction, because he is the messenger of the Lord Almighty. But you have turned from the way, and by your teaching have caused many to stumble. You have violated the covenant with Levi says the Lord Almighty. So I have caused you to be despised and humiliated before all the people because you have not followed my ways but have shown partiality in matters of the law. Biblical worship includes the faithful ministry of the word of God for the glory of God. Now this particular passage follows a threefold structure exposing how the priests in that day were not being faithful in their ministry leadership of the people of God, namely the Israelites. And in verses 1 through 4, we see the accusation. We see the accusation against these priests for their lack of proper leadership. In verses 5 through 7, we see the standard that was laid out that they were required to obey, the standard of the priestly ministry. And then in verses 8 and 9, we see their failure to live up to that standard. And so as we walk through this text, as we walk through this passage, that's the pattern that we're going to follow, examining it in those three sets. And so beginning in verses 1 through 4, the accusation, we see that God will curse ministers who fail to give glory to his name. God will curse ministers who fail to give glory to his name. Look back at verse 1. And now this admonition is for you, O priests, If you do not listen and if you do not set your heart to honor my name, says the Lord Almighty, I will send a curse upon you and I will curse your blessings. Yes, I have already cursed them because you have not set your heart to honor me. Now for us to understand this passage, for us to understand uh, the priesthood in that day and how this particular passage of Scripture, the Word of God, ancient words of truth that we've sung about this morning, For us to understand how this passage applies to us today, we've got to have an understanding of who the priests were in that day and how they fit into God's covenant with his people. And we saw from the opening passage of Malachi chapter 1, as well as from the rest of our knowledge of Scripture, that God had, had made a covenant with a people, with a nation, the Israelites. And we can trace this back to Genesis chapter 12 with his covenant promise to Abraham and the descendants of Abraham. God had chosen a people to love and to know him and to be a light for him among all peoples on the earth. 
And within that framework, he promised to protect them. He promised to provide for them, to care for them, to reveal himself to them in exchange for their covenant commitment to him. He had covenanted to be faithful to them, to be their God, and they were to be his people. And within that framework, within that structure, God had set aside a particular group of people, the Levites, the descendants of Levi, to be the religious leaders, the ministry leaders of that day. And their task was to lead the people and to teach the people the word of God. And because this was God's covenant, because he initiated it, because it was from him, because he had chosen to love a people despite their faithlessness, despite their continued disobedience to him, he remained faithful to them because it, was, it began with him, because it was for him, it was designed to glorify him. It was about him. And the chief end of ministry is to glorify God. It is to worship him. It is to give him what is due him. And because it is about him, and because it begins with him, and because it was his plan from the beginning, it was all to point to his glory, to his honor. Yet these priests in Malachi's day fell way short of that standard. They did not live up to it. Up to it. They did not give him the honor and the glory that was due him because they paid no attention. They paid disregard to his word and the commands found in his word as they related to the worship of him in the temple sacrificial system. And so look back at verse 2. If you do not listen, if you do not set your heart to honor my name, says the Lord Almighty, I will send a curse upon you and I will curse your blessings. Yes, I have already cursed them because you have not set your heart to honor my name. And so if we're going to learn from this mistake, if we're going to take this, this warning to heart and acknowledge that the word of God in that day is the same word of God for us today as the church, then we need to know what it means to honor God's name. We need to know what it means to glorify him if we're not going to make the same mistake they did. And so first and foremost, we can't do anything to make God any more glorious than he already is. God is infinitely glorious, meaning that he is of infinite worth, of supreme value, of supreme importance. And nothing we can do can make him worth any more than he already is. And so what it means to honor him, what it means to glorify him is to to speak these truths, to make these truths about God known in the eyes of people. And so that others recognize the infinite glory and infinite worth of God. And so that's our task as the people of God. That was the task of the priests of God in that day, to honor him, to glorify him, to point people to the truths about him. And I think we can illustrate this from, from the sciences. All of us are privileged to live in a time in human history when great scientific discoveries have been made. And so the more we learn about the stars and planets and galaxies, the more we're amazed by them. And we could say the same thing about genetics or 
or biology or botany or medicine or, or any other realm of scientific discovery. And the reason that we are amazed by these truths is not because they're new truths. It's not because somehow uh, the stars have become uh, more complex. It's simply because we are privileged to have astronomers whose knowledge and skill set is able to expose us to these truths. And we could say the same thing about any other realm of science. But when we're exposed to them, the magnitude to which we enjoy them is multiplied. And we could say the same thing about God. By us learning about Him, by us speaking truths about Him, proclaiming truths about Him from His Word does not make Him any more glorious, but it makes us respond appropriately to who He is, and it helps us as we desire to spread His fame and His worth and who He is across the earth. Yet the priests in that day failed to do that. They failed to give the right picture of God to the people of God. They failed to, to help the people of God through their faithful t- teaching and ministry and, and worship leadership to see who God is and to recognize Him appropriately. And we see a biblical example of this in the Old Testament found in the book of Numbers, Numbers chapter 20. And you probably know this story. You remember that the Israelites were in bondage and slavery and captivity in Egypt. And, and, and God delivered them from that slavery through Moses, his servant. And so Moses led them out into the desert where they wandered for 40 years as they waited to enter into God's promised land. But as they were wandering in the desert, on one occasion, it got hot. It was dry. They were desperate for God's provision And so they complained to Moses and to Aaron. And they said, we would have rather stayed in Egypt as slaves than to be led out here in the desert to simply die. And so Moses and Aaron sought the Lord. They got on their knees before God and and they sought his his direction. What are we to do in this situation? And God told them that that Moses, you're to to gather the assembly together in front of this rock and you're to speak to this rock and it it will pour out water that will be... Uh, a blessing for the people and their livestock, saving them. And yet Moses, in that situation, after he gathered the people of God together, rather than just speaking to the rock like God had instructed, he struck the rock with his staff. And he said something like this, Must we bring bring you water from this rock? And in that instant... Moses, who was simply a servant of God, took some of the glory and the honor that was only due God upon himself. And as a result, God punished him by not allowing him to enter into the promised land. And in the same way, these priests in Malachi's day were going to be punished by God for their disobedience, for their lack of honor given to his name. Look back at verse 3. Because of you, I will rebuke your descendants. I will spread on your faces the awful from your festival sacrifices, and you will be carried off with it. Ever notice how God's word just kind of lays it out there? 
just kind of tells it how it is. This is not a pretty picture. Some of your versions probably say dung, animal dung. Last week, we were reading about God being praised across the earth from the rising to the setting of the sun. Beautiful picture of sunrise and sunset, teaching that God's name will be praised across the earth from east to west, and from morning to night, all day long. And now, just a few short verses later, we're reading about animal dung being spread on the faces of priests. But what's being communicated here is a comparison. God is using figurative language to compare the priest to the parts of the sacrifices that because they were unholy, unclean, had to be removed and taken outside of the temple and burned in a separate pile because they were not worthy of being in the presence of God. And so through Malachi, God was saying that these priests were no better than the awful of unclean animals. That just like those parts of the animal were useless before God in worship, these priests who failed to honor him were useless in their worship leadership, in their ministry leadership, in their leadership of the people of God to rightly worship God. And the same thing is true for ministers today. God will curse ministers that fail to give God his proper glory and honor. First and foremost, church, we want leaders and we want pastors that will readily recognize who God is and give him the glory and the honor that he deserves. That is of foundational importance in our worship. But as we'll see here, that alone is not enough. In verses five through seven, the standard We see that God's messengers must teach and live the truth. God's messengers must teach and live the truth. Look back at verse 5. This is God speaking. The Lord Almighty, the Lord of hosts, my covenant was with him, talking about Levi, a covenant of life and peace. And I gave them to him, and this called for reverence, and he revered me and stood in awe of my name. True instruction was in his mouth, and nothing false was found in his lips. He walked with me in peace and uprightness and turned many from sin. For the lips of a priest ought to preserve knowledge, and from his mouth men should seek instruction, because he is the messenger of the Lord Almighty. And so these priests were charged with a task And we see that task very clearly spelled out in Deuteronomy chapter 33, that the primary task of the priesthood, of the ministry leaders in that day, was to teach the law of God or the word of God to the people. They were charged with this task. Not only were they to give God God his proper honor and his, his proper glory, but they were to faithfully teach the word of God to the people of God, yet they had failed to do this. And the same thing is true for us today, as we've already heard this morning, that the Word of God, the Bible, this book, must be central in our worship of God. And if it is not central, then we are failing to rightly worship God. And so every time we gather as the people of God, we want the Word of God to be front and center. We want to know what it has to speak to us, what it has to say to us. Because God's Word is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The same truth 
spans across the centuries, across the generations, across, across the millenniums and into eternity for us as the people of God. And as we rightly look to the Word of God, and as our leaders rightly look to the Word of God to lead us in worship, then they will be characterized by this true instruction and this knowledge that we read about in verses 6 and 7, rather than falsehood. And just like the priests in that day were messengers of God, ministers today are messengers of God to proclaim the truths of God, to proclaim the message of God. And because they are messengers, they cannot change the message. The message has been set. The message has been established. The message is in God's word. And a messenger cannot alter, cannot ignore, cannot overlook the message that has been entrusted to him or her. Biblical worship includes the faithful ministry of the, of the Word of God for the glory of God. And not only are our leaders to rightly teach and rightly speak the Word of God, but we see here that they are also to be characterized by right living of that Word. It says that He walked with me in peace and uprightness and turned many from sin. So we want leaders that are characterized by right teaching and right living. You probably remember that saying that was popular several years ago. Don't just talk the talk, but walk the walk, and other variations of it. Meaning that we are to speak the truth, and we are also to live the truth. And as we do, others will see the truth of God. And see the glory of God and repent and turn back to God. A man named Alan Ross, who is one of the most well-respected biblical scholars today and on whom I am leaning uh, throughout this series to make sure that my interpretation of the book of Malachi is accurate, has written these piercing words about this particular passage in Malachi chapter 2. The Bible here and throughout makes it clear that there is no place in ministry for ignorant ministers, for ministers who have not and will not study, or for ministers who do not use the word of God in their messages for one reason or another. Church, as your pastor, I am failing to fulfill my calling to this church if I do not set aside time considerable time every single week to study this book so that I rightly teach it, so that I rightly proclaim it from this place every week. And the same thing is true of ministers in every church in this city and across the world. If we are not rightly teaching the word of God, then we are failing to fulfill the task that God has given us. And I am so thankful that Meadowbrook is a church that values and expects biblical teaching and preaching. And so thank you for that. We want ministers, we want leaders that give God his glory, and we want ministers that rightly teach and instruct in the word of God, messengers that teach and live the truth. And third and finally, we see in verses 8 and 9, the failure of these priests. God will ruin the reputation of those that do not teach and live the truth. 
God will ruin the reputation of those that do not teach and live the truth. Look back at verse 8. But you have turned from the way and by your teaching have caused many to stumble. You have violated the covenant with Levi, says the Lord Almighty. So I have caused you to be despised and humiliated before the people. Because you have not followed my ways, but have shown partiality in matters of the law. God had clearly laid out the expectation. He had clearly laid out the requirement. And he expected his leaders, he expected his priests to faithfully teach the word of God for the glory of God. And these priests had fallen far short. And as a result, they had violated or ruined the covenant that God had made with Levi. They had ruined the covenant that God had set with his people and with the leaders of his people to rightly lead in worship and to rightly instruct the people in the word. And as a result, they had caused the people to stumble. That's what it says in verse 8. And by your teaching have caused many to stumble. And this is how the worship of God in that day deteriorated to superficiality and immorality. And the same thing is true today in places where the word of God is not rightly proclaimed for the glory of God. Biblical worship includes the faithful ministry of the word of God for the glory of God. And these priests had failed to live up to that task. And as a result, God was going to ruin their reputation in the eyes of the people and, more importantly, in the eyes of God. Thankfully, For us today, Christians, believers, the church, we have a great high priest who has not failed at that task. The one that Hebrews says is the exact representation of God. Jesus Christ, the one, the only one who has been fully faithful to the calling of leading the people of God to rightly know and worship God. And because God desires us to know him, he has given us his word. And he has entered into covenant with us as his people, those that trust in him for salvation. And because of that high priest, we can rightly know God. And we can rightly proclaim the glory and the worship and the honor that is only due him. In closing this morning, I want to to apply this passage to us on several layers. And first and most obviously, the truth of this passage readily and clearly and necessarily applies to ministers. Those that are leading the church. Those that have been called and entrusted to a task of rightly leading and rightly feeding the the people of God from the word of God. And the primary task of a minister, just like a priest in the Old Testament, is to do just that. To faithfully proclaim the word of God for the glory of God. And we see a picture of this as Paul wrote to young pastor Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 4, beginning in verse 13. He wrote, Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to preaching and to teaching. Verse 15, Be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them so that everyone may see your progress watch your life and doctrine closely persevere in them because if you do you will save yourself and your hearers so first and foremost the truth of this passage from Malachi chapter 2 applies to ministers secondly 
It applies to all those that have ever been or will ever be in a situation of teaching the Word of God on any level, from Sunday school teachers to small group leaders to Bible study teachers to VBS workers. If you've been entrusted with the Word of God, then study it, meditate on it, know it, be prepared to speak it when given the opportunity. Thirdly, the truth of this passage applies to congregations. As a congregation, you are responsible for feasting on this book, just like your leaders are, so that when you hear it, you know if it is being rightly used. Don't assume that everything I say or everything every other minister says is true. Study it. Meditate on it. Know it. The New Testament is filled with warnings to watch out for false teachers. For those that come and proclaim a message in the name of this book and the God of this book, but fail to give Jesus centrality. Fail to see the overarching picture that points to the gospel and the grace of God in through Jesus Christ for us today. So know this book so you know when it is being handled rightly. And fourth and finally, this truth applies to all of the church. All Christians, all believers across the world, past, present, and future, because 1 Peter chapter 2 clearly tells us that believers have become a royal priesthood, a kingdom of priests, Meaning that we as believers, as Christians, as followers of Christ are charged, are entrusted, are assigned to take the word of God and to rightly teach it and proclaim it to the world so that they might see the forgiveness, the grace, and the mercy and salvation found through and in Jesus Christ our Lord. Friends, we have been entrusted with a great message. Let's prove faithful with that assignment. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you for today. We thank you for your word. Lord, I pray that your word has been useful this morning. Lord, we trust that your word is useful for teaching, for correcting, for rebuking, and training in righteousness, Lord. But we also acknowledge that it will only be fully effective for these things if it is rightly studied, understood, and proclaimed, Lord. So give us the grace to to know it, to meditate on it, to read it, to make it central not only in our corporate worship gatherings, but central in all of our lives as believers in you. Lord, I pray that we would prove to, to rightly worship you by giving your word proper treatment and centrality in our worship, all for the glory of you. Lord, may you continue to be honored. May you continue to be glorified in this place today, in your church, for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.